Welcome to Braving the Elements, Nickelodeon's podcast about all things Avatarverse. I'm Janet Varney. And for this episode, we'll be diving back into The Last Airbender, book one, with The Storm. That's right, buddy. But before we get started on that, I, we got to revisit last week's episode just to give a huge shout out to Hector Navarro and Danielle Radford for the awesome Great Divide, Great Debate. That's right. If you missed this episode, do yourself a favor and go back and listen because we had a blast hearing them argue about whether the Great Divide episode of Avatar Less Urbiter is, as Danielle put it, a thriller or filler. Turns out it might be a little bit of both, huh? That's right. That's right. It's both thriller and filler. And after such a fun time hanging with those two, you know what? We just decided it was high time we brought back one of our all-time other favorite people from the Avatarverse to hang with us and help us just unpack this episode, The Storm. Basically, we've just been saying how soon can we get Jack back on again ever since our interview with him a few episodes ago on the podcast. Ugh, which people love so much. This is a back by popular demand as well as a back by Janet and Dante demand. Please welcome back to Braving the Elements, Mr. Douglas Hino. Hello. Thanks for having me back. I'm glad there was there was demand internal and external. How's oh, it, it was it was all kinds of internal <laughs> and external. As soon as I said that, it sounded medical. So many Sokka stands out there. And as I'm seeing you on the video screen as we're doing this podcast, your hair is getting very Sokka long, very long, top bunish. I have not cut it for a year and a half. I just, the opportunity is now out there. I certainly could get it cut again by now. And I have it and it's down past my shoulders and I don't know what to do about it. <laughs> When I first met you, your hair was very long as a teenager. I was going to say, you're going back into teen years. This was the 17-year-old Jack haircut. It's It keeps going through waves where I hate it and I so desperately want to cut it. and then Literal waves? Literal Beautiful. waves. Literal waves. And then the waves grow a little further and it kind of revitalizes. And I go like, this is beautiful hair. How could I possibly cut it? Now I've got this like Samson-y thing Main. It where it, it means too much to me now. Yeah. But you have a grown-up beard. <laughs> yeah, a grown-up beard. When I first met Jack, his hair was super long and super curly, super wavy, like ve- like beautiful ringlets around his, his face. Yep. It's crazy. And Thank it's you. back. And it's back. Thank you. Well, I am very excited to have you. I know Dante is as well. And I mean, frankly, part of the reason is that Sokka actually doesn't get a ton of screen time in this episode. And that is painful to our hearts. And so that's another reason that this episode makes so much sense to have you back for. It's like we can make up for the absence of Sokka. Yeah, you can write the wrong. Yeah, for everyone. Everyone wants there to be more Sokka in this episode. And now there is by virtue of you unpacking the episode with us. So Yeah, but I feel like there not being a lot of Sokka in this episode is great. He, you know, he like, he goes off to get a longshoreman job. Like he just gets some like honest union work <laughs> and just is too busy for all this Avatar stuff. Yeah. <laughs> this is the first time they'd re- realize, like, maybe we should get some jobs a little bit. Like, we're hungry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How are they living? Oh, one time he worked for a boat. There we go. That's right. I did do that as a kid actor. I was broke one time, you guys. Like, I totally was overdrawn in my bank account. And the, one of the only times in my life I got a job outside the entertainment industry, I was in a situation like this. And uh, I went and got a job parking cars on the beach. It was called Gladstones back in the day. I think it might still be called Gladstones, but oh, sure. SBE yeah. Yeah, Gladstones. kind of took it over. And so I was, it was actually a really great job because like Sokka, I was by the water and I was parking cars. I do remember- Like uh, Sokka. <laughs> I do remember one day my boss, with a car, a minivan pulled up and it was like Asian American 
family that kind of pulled up and then they, they saw me parking their, their minivan. They knew. And they're like, can we take a picture with you? Oh, next thing I'm taking pictures with everybody <laughs> in my valet Parker uniform. And then I red vest. Yeah, I, I took the car off and then the, my boss is like, who are you? And I didn't know what to say. I just said, um, in my country, oh, I am royalty. No. Oh, no. I really want you to have said, I'm, I'm, I've done this job because I'm researching for a role. I've been playing a valet in an upcoming film, and I need to know how to park cars. I just went straight coming to America. In my country, I'm royalty. <laughs> <laughs> That's a beautiful story. My month and a half broke child actor job when I, it was in between stuff and I was feeling the, the same Pressure. little uh, stretch. I did a month and a half as a host at the Stinking Rose. Right there in La Cienega. garlic themed restaurant in Beverly Hills. Yep, yep, yep. And I, I, wore, I would wear a big garlic bulb oh hat my goodness. to sing people happy birthday. And that was, yeah, that was enough for me to be like, I should, I should try I hard. I should probably book a job hard. soon here. <laughs> I need a. I need a. I love that. Like that is taking the very simple, kind of unfun theme of garlic and trying to do something with it to make it playful. It's like, hey, garlic man's here. Do 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 do. Everyone's like, yeah, it's just it's just a garlic it's a garlic themed restaurant. He just is wearing a garlic. And it was like a garlic cap. Like it was. It still had like a baseball brim on it, and then just a large garlic bulb. Yeah, it's a bad. It's a bad hat. What's crazy is like, you know, Sokka took a time out of his, you know, his hero journey to go be a longshoreman mm-hmm. on the beach with maybe one of the most crankiest fishermen in the Avatar verse. No lie. Yeah, sad man. Just got a lot of anger towards the yeah, world. Yeah, and also a lot of like East Coast, but we'll get into that. A lot of like <laughs> the honeymooners or something. We'll get into that in a second. Super quick recap of kind of the overall scope of the episode. Sokka accepts this job from this fisherman because the kids are out of money. And like right away, as Sokka has joined up with this very grumpy man, he's very quickly reminded by this man, like, oh, by the way, Avatar, hey, how you doing? You turned your back on the world. What a jerk. And Aang's kind of, disappears as the storm is rolling in and so what we have in this episode of course is these two sort of parallel stories where we're getting really into the origin stories of both Zuko and of Aang and Monkeyazzo we hear more from we certainly find out way more about Zuko's story and the Agni Kai against his own father how he got his scar and then just as we think wait where is Sokka we find out, in fact, he is trapped in the storm with a fisherman on the boat. And Aang rescues them, which I guess was, you know, now that it's like personal and this guy had his life saved by the Avatar, he's decided not to be so unhappy and angry at him, which is great. And then we have this crazy turn that we'll talk more about where Zuko lets them go instead of capturing them. Very cool episode with a ton of stuff to dig into. It was written by Aaron Ehas and was directed by Lauren McMullen. Yeah, so as far as the big picture kind of theme on this episode, we get to see some real origin stories happening here. When I first started to realize who Zuko was, because I, I mean, until now, I'm just pay- playing this like villain kind of character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think even me, you, and May started having these things like, did you read the script this week? Like, what's going on? Like, this is weird. Like, oh, there's some stuff. There's some stuff. And happening. so this is the first inkling of that. You get a lot of like grounding elements to 
justify and explain why Zuko is the way he is and, and what's really motivating his quest for the Avatar. The way you described that, Dante, it seemed like you guys were like standing around that little area right outside of where the recording booths are, where you can like give yourself some like cereal because yeah. Nickelodeon's like yep. we the were, snack we were room. Over we were with like, the popcorn. Get a little hot yeah, tea. Like, Ooh, marshmallows. Get a little hot just tea. a jar of marshmallows. Sure. <laughs> a little gossip. Did you, did you actually read this one? No, I exactly. That's, no, that's the thing. <laughs> because it's like if you did your homework and were preparing, then you read the script and then we would come in like, did you read the script? Yeah. What, what's going on? Like, oh my goodness. Like, yeah. is something's happening? And we're like, and that's, this is the beginning. I think that a lot of us, myself included, started really kind of like being, falling, falling for the Zuko storyline. Like, oh, okay. He's it's not so just. so great. This yeah, jerk. this adds a ton of texture to the character. And also the sort of idea through the episodes leading up to this one of a little bit like it's not as simple as good guys and bad guys, you know, um, and that there's this sort of crossing over happening. Yeah, I think as an audience member watching you get these hints, as a voice actor doing it, there's no, we didn't see any of that stuff. We were just like, I'm just. <laughs> it's hard when stuff like that. You don't get the visuals yeah. and we're not always good enough to find the subtleties. No, we're not. With that being said, Varney, you want to kick us off here and start our recap of The Storm? Sure. Well, of course, as we know, the episode opens with this really beautiful sort of cotton candy-esque, like, cloudy sky. You have that, like, tinkling music box music, which is both pretty and also a little scary. Like, there's still something a little weird about it. It's almost too happy. It's almost too, like, in the horror movies you would have that music box music and then like a, something scary would come in right at the end and it forever changes your feeling about music boxes. <laughs> or you'd see the child playing that music Exactly, box in like slow motion, the merry-go-round's going around, you're like yeah. something terrible is going to happen. And oh, no. unsurprisingly, it does. But not before, with this music box music, with the sort of dreamy quality, we see Aang, who seems totally blissed out, he's riding Appa, but then we widen out to see that Sokka is on Aang's glider, which is, I don't think it's something we've seen before, a little odd. And then over on the other side, yeah, and it continues to like just get more absurd. So we see that, it's like, well, maybe, okay. But then over on the other side of Appa, we see Katara uh, riding a giant Momo, which is the dead giveaway that something is definitely weird. But in this moment, everyone just seems like happy as can be. And you hear Katara's voice saying, We need you, Aang. I need you too. But suddenly the mood and the sky kind of blacken. The a, There's a huge storm cloud ahead. You know, Aang is suddenly shouting for Katara and Sokka to be careful, but then they're just gone. And then all of a sudden we see Gyatso, and he's sort of hovering down in front of Aang and Appa in a lotus position right in front of the storm. And Gyatso says, why did you disappear? And Aang's like, I didn't mean to. And then he reaches out to touch Gyatso, and he kind of evaporates into smoke. It's like textbook dream. Aang flies into the storm as we still hear Gyatso. And Aang tumbles off Appa. Now he's in the water. It's very reminiscent of, you know, when he gets frozen in the iceberg. A whole chorus of voices is now saying, we need you, Aang. And boom, Aang wakes up with a start. And he also wakes up Sokka, who's (laughs) always ready, apparently, 
sleeps mm-hmm. holding both his boomerang and his axe. Ready to rock and roll. Very vigilant sleeper. Gotta be ready. And Aang explains that it was just a, a bad dream. Katara's worried about Aang. You know, she observes, apparently, we're joining them at this time where he has been having a lot of nightmares. Right. And then Sokka pops up and asks if anyone wants to hear about his dream. <laughs> Classic way to make friends. Very Everybody finds it very charming when you just walk <laughs> into a conversation and go, who wants to hear about my yeah, dream? Yeah, because it'll be real easy to describe everyone loves hearing about everyone mm-hmm, else's dreams mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and i just i will say i do feel like if there is a slide whistle budget for avatar the last airbender i'm gonna say 75 to 85 percent of that slide whistle budget goes to Sokka. i mean he really gets a slide whistle treatment so i'm hoping yeah. at some point jack during this episode recap you will say something that just doesn't land for either dante and me and then yimu in post can just put a little yes little slide whistle in there <laughs> slide whistle. so we get super I think meta. odds are pretty high i'll say i tend to throw out way too many jokes i think there's a pretty good chance something will we'll get a slide whistle. <laughs> okay. that was a good slide whistle that was nice. i was just gonna say whistle. i can't slide i can't whistle really i don't, I don't have it <laughs> okay do you take us through what else is going on so now that everyone's up and awake, we see that they've actually been sleeping on a beach and the ocean's looking very clean and blue. It's very beautiful. But then they realize we better fly to the market because we're out of food. And then Sokka's like, hey, guys, wait, this was my dream. He doesn't want to go to the market because food eats people in his dream. I feel like when I rewatched this episode, I wanted it to be very prophetic, his dream of food eats people. I was like, <laughs> that's going to come back. It's going to turn out. And then, and then I was like... <laughs> I thought that too. It's just specific enough. They go there to get food, but they can't get food because he doesn't have money. So then he gets a a job working on this boat and he gets swallowed by the sea. So the need for food gets him almost devoured by the storm. Wow. Sokka has prophetic dreams. It's one of his many magical powers that are covered extensively in the show Avatar. There it is. No. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> okay, so then, uh, then there's this like very cool transition where we see like the flock of geese that we saw flying over Aang and the gang. Uh, uh, we see that same flock of geese, we uh, presumably flying over a ship underneath the the geese. We see Iroh and Zuko on Zuko's big ship. Iroh can tell that a big storm is coming. Yeah, Zuko thinks, that's crazy. We're going to be fine. Nothing's happening. Iroh says, it's coming from the north, so they should go to, like, the southwest. But Zuko is just not having any of that. He's like, the Avatar's going north, so we're going north. We're following the Avatar. No matter what, Iroh raises the concern about the safety of the crew, and Zuko says, The safety of the crew doesn't matter. Not even a little bit. Not even a little bit. The safety of the crew doesn't matter. So we had a long conversation about redeeming Zuko. It's not happening right now. That's a real mean What's thing What's worse say. is one of the guys overhears him say it. You're one of his crew here. It's one thing to say something bad about <laughs> yeah. people. No one wants to do that. But if you do do that, hopefully the people you're talking about ain't listening to you. And Zuko's not even a nice enough guy to have the like, uh, oh no, is he right behind me moment? Right, I'm like, right. oh no, did they hear me? He's just like says it full voice, full volume, <laughs> standing on the so ship. <laughs> We're definitely, they're going to hear you. What a what a little jerk boy. But watch it. Maybe, now he's going to spin it. In Zuko's defense, 
at this point, it's a very clear day. I mean, clear day. Like, <laughs> Uncle's older yeah. and is like, that's, that's oh, Uncle Iroh may not know what he's talking. He's, he's smelling storms. What are we talking about? It's so clear out here. It's so nice. So nice. Okay, so Zuko has not really endeared himself to his crew with that line. And then we go back over to Team Avatar, and we're at this kind of small port, which, by the way, Appa, we see from a distance, he sort of docked himself like a boat, which is very cute. And Mm -hmm. Katara's over at the market scrutinizing a melon while the vendor insists that it's good. Apparently, swishing means it's ripe. And uh, Aang seems to agree, but Katara puts it back apologizing because, after all, um, they're out of money, which the vendor then takes away the entire basket of food that they were going to buy with the money that they didn't have. She, like, grabs their basket and then... (laughs) She does assault them. Which, I would say, that's not okay. She does. But not hard. I mean, it's like a pat. Yeah, that's not right. Because they weren't shoplifting. They very... They very... Out front said, we don't have any money for this. And uh, it doesn't warrant a kick in the butt. It doesn't. It absolutely does not. And now they've got no food, no money. Sore butts. Sokka has, probably has a sore butt. Exactly. Katara suddenly suggests Sokka just get a job. So just then, coincidentally enough, we overhear a fisherman and his wife. She's begging him not to go out today. She says she can She can tell from her joints that there's going to be a storm. Um, Aang says well we should definitely find shelter and uh and the fisherman's like oh you're crazy woman and then they continue to argue like i said before like kind of like a grumpy old couple from brooklyn i mean their marriage doesn't seem great it seems like one of those uh marriages where you're like oh i hope they don't come over for the holidays because then we'll just have to hear them yelling at each other and everyone will be really uncomfortable uh but also they run this fishing business together it's just a lot a lot they they're stuck together they're stuck together uh, and But Sokka volunteers to go with a fisherman. In fact, I think he overhears the fisherman be like, well, fine, I'll find someone else and I'll pay him double. And then Sokka's like, cool. And as soon as Sokka mentions that, the fisherman's like, what? That doesn't ring a bell. Um, hey, come on. There ain't no double around here. <laughs> Head back home, kid. Here in this fishing village in this here Earth Kingdom. Hey, we just done the outskirts there of the <laughs> Earth Kingdom. We're all earthbenders around here. That's right. Now, let's go back over to uh, Prince, the safety of the crew doesn't matter, Zuko. What's going on over there, Dante? Yeah, meanwhile, (laughs) with our valiant Prince Zuko, who said a few unchoice things, it just so happens at this point in time, they're going straight into the storm. It got stormy. And the lieutenant observes that Iroh was right about the storm. He smelt right, smelt it right. And Zuko accuses the lieutenant of not showing respect, which, was that disrespectful? Uh, yeah, I don't know. The guy wasn't being disrespectful. He was just like, hey, you were right about I the kn- storm. And Zuko's like, that's disrespectful. I know, but he's on my last <laughs> nerve. You. You're getting on my last nerve, lieutenant, all right? <laughs> You're on my last nerve. First, you cared about the safety of the crew. Now you're complimenting my uncle. I've had just about enough. Right. So anyway, the the lieutenant baits Zuko as he walks away. He says, what do you know about respect? Now he's picking a fight. Oh, here we go. The way you treat everyone around here from your hardworking crew to your your esteemed uncle shows you nothing but respect. And Iroh, you know, wincing. Actually, Uncle Iroh's trying to break him up. Like, stop, stop. Uh, oh, but totally. he goes on. I think he's even making the like cut it yeah, out. Yeah, he's, he's like, hey. like doing the this like ooh, ixnay on the respect day. He's like, that's a trigger word. Trigger word. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> like, don't call Marty McFly a no. chicken and don't yeah, say don't, don't call him chicken. Don't. That's a trigger. <laughs> that's a trigger word. <laughs> and then he goes on and even calls Zuko spoiled. 
this really that's triggering. Ooh. Zuko turns and then it's on. Iroh then breaks it up. He says, We're all tired. We just need a bowl of noodles. Zuko's peeved and he stares mm-hmm. into the storm, brooding for a change. He's just brooding as he does. Uh-huh. <laughs> Super He's rare. like, No one's with me. No one's with me. Not even my own crew. You know what? Let's let him simmer in those juices just a little longer while we take a short break. <laughs> Okay, we're back. Jack, what's going on with Team Avatar over at that dock where Sokka is now loading up the boat? So Aang is worried about the coming storm. He too, like Iroh, has has the sense that a storm might be building, trying to get Sokka to reconsider. The wife agrees. She says, the boy with the tattoos is right. And the fisherman uh, uh, notices now for the very first time. <laughs> Even though it's like the most noticeable thing about Aang. <laughs> yep. It's a quick, easy first three. It's bright blue. <laughs> suddenly he's like, whoa, tattoos? This kid's got tattoos? And you're telling me he's an airbender with tattoos? Uh, and suddenly he realizes that Aang is the avatar. They're probably lighting up thinking, oh, now we're going to get free food from the village. People are going to apologize for kicking us in the butt. But no, the fisherman is real upset about it. You know, Aang, a lot of times there, there's some like godlike imagery and stuff. And we get this moment of like anger at the gods for having like forsaken us where this fisherman oh, sure. is like, oh, I don't I don't love that you're the avatar. I hate that the avatar has been gone for 100 years and that we've been left toiling in our misery. I mean, which I, when I was watching, I was like, oh, it's the first kind of like negative response to the avatar where you're like, yeah, you kind of screwed all of us. Look at all the stuff that you did. Yeah, like too little, too late, dude. Yeah, there's been a terrible war. One of the, you know, one of the nations of peoples is gone. And, and it happened in this time where people felt abandoned by this powerful force that was supposed to protect them. And Of course, it's an older guy. Maybe as a kid, he can remember some of the things going down that was really bad. The newer kids are just excited as an avatar. And, and have hope that, the, that he was still going to come back. Yeah. So Katara tries to stand up for Aang, and Aang is uh, feeling very guilty and, and, and backs away, uh, shoops off on his glider. Katara chastises the old man, jumps up on Appa, goes off after Aang. Appa tosses water onto the old man and Sokka, taking off out of his little dock port. Sokka's like, ugh, bleh, these guys, my friends, right? The fisherman basically tells him, shut up. Do the job you were hired for. Don't complain to me about nothing. He's still bitter. And it's crazy how, how Aang just takes off. At the first sight of like, you're not that great of a guy. I'm out. He's, yeah. But that's a, that's a tough idea. Like hearing that people aren't all jazzed about that, that people are angry at him and that he's, you know, that people feel betrayed by him for something yeah. that we are about to find out he had very little control over. Yeah, it's such a foreshadow report of a foreshadow report inside. I mean, it's just like sort of wrapped up in itself, this whole episode where, you know, we know that he had this dream and suddenly there's this kind of echo of like, well, we we did see a bunch of people in the dream saying we need you. We need you. It was obviously a nightmare. Now you've got this old fisherman who's like, where were you? We did need you. Where were you? And now we're inside the storm that everyone saw coming. Katara is searching for Aang as she's, you know, on Appa flying through the air. And in the distance, in the rain, she sees this kind of small figure near a cave opening and she goes inside and there's Aang kind of hanging his head in shame. And he doesn't want to initially, he does not want to talk about what the fisherman said, but Katara being Katara, she's very good at at communicating with Aang and, and she kind of pulls it out of him. And he says, you know, I'll tell you, but it's a long story. 
And Appa's so cute because he kind of like comes in from the storm and sort of pushing up against Aang. Almost like, yeah, tell the story a little bit. (laughs) That's not a good... Because Appa was like, I was there too. I was there too, Aang. Exactly, exactly. And so Aang begins to tell of when the monks told him that he was the Avatar. And then we see the story as Aang's telling it. He was teaching some of the other kids how to make the airball scooter thing, which no one else seems to be able to do initially. And then Aang says, uh, no one taught him how to do it. He made it up. Yeah, he's a little prodigy. And then Gyatso interrupts and to bring him to the elder monks who revealed to him he's the after. They, all those elder monks are around Gyatso. It's like, we need to talk to you, son. And they're like, okay. We must shout out Sab Shimono, who returns as Monk Gyatso, and the great James Hong, who plays one of the monks in Aang's memory, who's so amazing. He's done so many films and TV oh, through the him. years. I know. I think he. I think James holds the record of like you know the most amount of movies ever in Hollywood. I think right? he has the largest like amount of credits on IMDb, and I think it might just be maybe it's films overall, but television included. I don't know. But he's like yeah, the most credited actor. I think. <laughs> yeah. So like, shout out to James. So it's so crazy. He's so awesome. And yeah. then they reveal to Aang that they knew right away that Aang was the Avatar. They throw a, a fabric, which he unrolls and unveils four toys, a turtle, a windmill, a monkey, and, and a horse or a drum. I, you know all these animals? I mean, there's four for sure. It goes quick. I bet there's someone has done a great breakdown of what they all are, what they all mean, and which of, of the Avatar's past lives right. they reference. And I, That's I a couldn't great catch point. it. Totally. And they're, <laughs> I mean, they're, they're Aang's favorite toys, and apparently Aang had thousands of toys to choose from, and he chose these four relics. And so that's how these monks knew that he was the Avatar. And Gyatso explains that these were the relics of his past lives. Like, these were the toys of the past Avatars. And so that's how they knew that he is the Avatar. But he also continues to explain that we would normally wouldn't reveal to you that you are actually the Avatar till you're 16. But troubles are brewing. Storm clouds are gathering. And I fear there may be a war. We need you, Aang. So now he's all of 12 years old with the weight of the world on his shoulders. Yeah, which, by the way, am I the only one who immediately, like, projected into the past, imagining a bunch of kids, like, almost choosing all four toys? And then at the very end, like, it's like a a montage of, like, other kids being like, and they're like, he chose the turtle. (gasps) He chose the windmill. (gasps) He chose the monkey. Oh, he chose the, okay, he chose the clan horn. Like, oh, okay, all right, he chose the top. And so, Jack, what is going on with Zuko amid all of this stuff going on with Aang? Okay, so we're we're on the ship, and the lieutenant, we're in, like, the bells of the ship, and the lieutenant is, like, drinking and grumbling about taking orders from Zuko. He's over it. He's had enough of this kid. Iroh, ever protective, overhears this, joins in, uh, uh, sits down. He says, do you really want to know who Zuko is? Do you really want to hear you know, he's been through much. Uh, so now we go into Ira's memory. We're getting another story time. Um, and I'd say that's a big theme of this episode is like what stories we listen to and what stories we don't. Mm-hmm. Like we hear Aang's story. We hear Ira's story about Zuko. And no one's that interested in Sokka's story about the food and his dream. <laughs> and I think that's like a big takeaway here of like how, how, when are we receptive to hearing, you know. Um, so... <laughs> So we go into we go into Ira's memory and we see younger Zuko looking real baby face. He doesn't so innocent, so innocent. Dante's pitching Dante's pitching up a yeah. little bit. We're getting we're getting young, gotta, like thirteen. He's got year old, one little thing coming out like from 20. his ponytail, like one oh. little bang just out of place. 
So cute. Yeah. Aww. Can't keep it all together at that age. Um, yeah. So he, he wants to get into the war room. Uh, the guards won't let him pass. Iroh tries to reassure him. He's like, you're not missing anything. It's like uh, honestly really boring in there. But Zuko is insistent. He wants to go in. Iroh relents but says, okay, Zuko, you can go in, but you're not to speak. Uh, Zuko agrees. Or does he? Does he actually? Because he's sort of, he's just like, okay, thank you, uncle. That's not, you know, he's kind of yeah. getting trying to get by Sneaky. on a technicality here. There's a lot <laughs> to unpack here. If you think about it, Uncle Iroh is the one who lets him in this room. Uncle Iroh. But he's trying, it's oh. so clear that he's already trying to, like, guide Zuko away from being the warmonger, you know? He's like, oh, you don't want to go in there. It's I agree. I agree. Yeah. I agree. But then he's like, okay, I'll bring you in. And, and that's where all my life changes. Goes awry. Foreshadow report. This is where it goes down. I'm not blaming Uncle Iroh. <laughs> I just thought about that for a moment. Zuko will unpack that with a therapist later on. We forgive Uncle Iroh for sure. No blame. I'll tell you what. No, but you're right. You know, foreshadow report, foreshadow report. Perhaps something has happened to Iroh already that makes him very protective of Zuko. Mm. And I'm sure he does feel responsible. Like he probably does. You know, he's telling the story. It's like in his version of the story, it's true. Iroh is the one who lets him into the war room. And Iroh's so sweet and sensitive. He probably is carrying that around with him, feeling responsible for for that happening. So we're in the, the, the big red fiery war room. Uh, they're arguing over military tactics, and Zuko, who maybe or maybe didn't promise to be quiet, uh, can't take it anymore, so he, he bursts in, he's defending all the brave sol- soldiers who have been, you know, defending the Fire Nation, risking their lives, and Zuko's worried for their safety. You can't speak out! You can't speak back in this setting! This is not how things go down in the Fire Nation, so we, we get a cliffhanger of there being... That one general said, the deal he's... is, we're gonna send these young mm-hmm. troop guys to the front. Like, they're all going to die. I know that's the plan because we're going to come back behind. We're going to sacrifice. We're going to pawn these guys out to bring in some bishops and rooks and behind them, which I guess is cool for strategy. I'm sure Zuko, if this was such a pivotal moment in his life, internalized the idea of you should never be willing to sacrifice lives for your cause, right? He would never be like, hey, I don't care about the safety of the crew. Anyways, at this point, <laughs> things get learned. He got that smacked out of him. He, got, he learned the lesson the wrong way, for sure. Yeah, he learned the lesson the wrong way. Exactly um, right. And then he got, then he got put in his place. I mean, he's he's like 16 or 15 at the time. He spoke out during the war meeting. You can't sacrifice an entire division like that. Those soldiers love and defend our nation. How can you betray them? That's not cool, I guess. And that, and we end this scene on hearing that there's going to be some dire consequences for mm-hmm. him having spoken mm-hmm. out. <sighs> but immediate, I mean, that's a big pivotal moment. When we find out that Zuko was trying to protect the safety of the crew as a young man and gets is clearly about to get in some sort of horrible trouble for it. And oh, by the way, doesn't have the scar yet. So where, you know, right. where does he get that? Dun, dun, Something, something's going to go down and it's going to change him because he totally. was a caring little kid with a with a fresh little face and one wisp of hair and (laughs) something's going to push him in a different direction. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And then we go back to the cave and Katara's asking Aang if he was upset, you know, when he learned that he was the avatar and uh, Aang says he doesn't, he didn't really know how to feel 
Except that once he found out that he was the Avatar, everything around him also changed. And we go to Aang, you know, we see him in his memory playing with the other kids. And they've all learned how to do the kind of air scooter thing. And he's all excited. And they're like, oh, yeah, we even made a game about it. And Aang's like, oh, cool. And then as soon as he, you know, whips up the his little air scooter, everybody else just stopped. And they're like, oh, yeah, sorry um you're the avatar and stuff and so you have this unfair advantage so if you're gonna ever play with us it's not really fair to anyone else what with you being the avatar and all so i guess no one can ever play with you ever again they don't know about like automatic qb automatic qb is the <laughs> yeah, automatic qb is a salt he plays both sides they need yeah <laughs> he's got to play both sides but maybe maybe air scooter ball doesn't have a, a qb type role that can play both sides but yeah it'd have been easy yeah, so he kind of takes off, and so then we see that Aang's real listless. You know, he's he's playing Pi Show, which we only know really as Iroh's game. So there's another kind of of these all these moments of crossing over between mm-hmm. the you know the protagonist and the antagonist. Like, wait a minute, that's that's Iroh's game. That's Pi Show, and um, Aang and 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 Gyatso is playing it with Aang, and Gyatso is fully cheating. And obviously, it's so out there and and in front of them that Aang realizes that it's happening. They're just kind of it's a joke between the two of them, and then the really dour monk that James Hong plays is kind of, kind of bursts in is in, and is like really surprised and also annoyed that Yatso is playing games with Aang instead of training him but Yatso won't let the other monk take him for training he's right. like you know I, I'm in charge and I'm going to decide when he does stuff and where he goes and why and all that kind of stuff I'd like to point out real quick everyone talks a lot of smack about the Fire Nation and the politicking that goes on and this backstabbing all kinds of stuff <laughs> popping off in the Fire Nation which I guess Ooh. things happen here but as we see in this little uh, memory of Aang we're seeing a little dissension in the ranks of the Air Nomads also mm-hmm. True. Not paradise as we Very like true. to see them in the puffy clouds. Everybody kumbayaing, just having holding hands and just playing games all day and skipping around the day in clouds. They also are being jerks to each other. We see that here right now. Just want to side note. Just side note. Let's continue. Yeah. It's a good side note. It's fair. They, they're kind of yeah. They kind of have quibbling disagreements about the best way to train this really important figure. Um, that's pretty similar to like if the leader wanted to duel his child <laughs> with fire. Yeah, I guess they do sort of both backstab. Yeah, I get it, I get it. Who brought the water tribe here? Who who brought the water tribe to this meeting? Yeah. Yeah, Same pretty thing. pretty similar. Interchangeable, interchangeable. <laughs> All right, let's go back. Well, fine. You want to be with your precious fire nation. Let's go back. <laughs> Tell us what's going on with uh, with Iroh and his story. Well, we're back. <laughs> when Uncle Iroh telling this his story and his, his about Zuko, he's telling the soldiers that the Fire Lord was furious with Zuko, and, he's, and he tells that Zuko was utterly disrespectful to one of the generals he interrupted, and the only solution would be, dun dun dun, and they're all like, Agnikai, Agnikai, like they're blown away by what <laughs> what's about to happen, and he's like, that's right, Agnikai, y'all, and so Zuko's like, do I have to do an Agnikai against an older general? But guess what, Zuko ain't sweating it. Zuko's like, boom, shirt off, on his knees, he's ready to like. Let's break go. off this old man that was going to just just totally just i mean sacrifice a, a troop of young soldiers he was like i'm gonna i'm gonna do some fire bending on this old man let him know what's popping with the new generation but guess what he turns around and little does he know he's not fighting this general that he disrespected he's fighting the fire lord 
his own father in an in in an Agnikai. Thing doesn't change. Poor Zuko's eyes start shaking. Oh. This is horrible, actually. This is super horrible. Couldn't Pop just like call me over to his quarters and be like, Zuko, like I need to talk to you about some things. I know it's your first meeting at the generals, at the war council, and this and that, and that and this. There's where there's rules to the game. Like, 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 can he just like you know what yeah, I'm saying? Here's a tip. Yes. Here's a a slap tip, on kid. the wrist. Pop. No. Slap on the wrist. Pop. No. You know? Slap on the wrist. Can't can't use your warship for like two weeks. Yeah. 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 You're, you're well, maybe grounded. that is what's going to happen. And now we're over with Aang again. So I say, you know, let's not worry about Zuko till we know we have something to worry about. Jack, what's going on with, with Aang and his story? Cool, 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 cool. Yeah, I'm sure everything's fine. So Aang tells Katara, you know, just as I was starting to feel better, something worse happened. Gyatso is explaining to the grumpy monk that Aang also needs to have time to just be a little boy, that that's like an important part of his avatar training. But the other monks disagree. They say that Gyatso's affection is clouding his judgment. Um, and there's a great, there's a great little moment here. All I want is what is best for him. But what we need is what's best for the world. Ouch. That's some big, that's some big stuff. They're dealing with a lot. Yeah, I mean, that, I know, that's a lot. That, that it's hard to pick a side on what's best there, you know? This is why, in theory, they're, they wait till they're 16, right? Is like, this is, yeah. This is right. There's too Good much point. emotional investment from the guy training him. There's there's too much at stake for a kid who might not be ready for this. And they can't like they can't really have Aang make this decision. He's not emotionally ready for it yet. So it's yeah. tough. And and it's because right. of this coming war, uh, the storm that's brewing. Um, so anyway, so the monks announced that they're, they're going to separate Gyatso and Aang, mm. uh, send him off to the what's the, the to the other air temple. Right. He's going to get trained at like the. Eastern Air Temple. Um, Eastern. Eastern, Eastern right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, so Katara's so sad for Aang, um, but Aang is like getting real angry in this little in this little yeah. cave. We see like a flash of Avatar State energy in him blowing the fire around. Yeah. They want to take away everything that Aang knew and loved. They wanted to send him out of his home and his, his arrow starts to glow yeah. and, and he bursts a little bubble around him. Um, Katara's like, oh, hot, hot cinders, hot cinders. <laughs> You're sending fire all across the cave. Aang calms down, apologizes, continues his story. You know, he was afraid and confused. Gyatso sneaks into Aang's room, but Aang is not there. There's just, he's left a scroll uh, that Gyatso reads and gasps. And Aang has has flown away and says, uh, he tells Katara that he never saw Gyatso again. This is the last time. And we know from earlier episodes what goes down. Gyatso. So Aang's out in the storm creating the bubble and this is the moment that leads to him becoming frozen for a hundred years. So we see that moment in this memory He, you know, him leaving in a huff because he was going to be separated. Katara's like, you know you ran away. Aang says the fisherman was right. I did right. I turned my back on the world. Um, Katara tells him, you know, you're being too hard on yourself and that this was like this was what was meant to be. Katara's confident in that that like you were made for this moment. You had to go out in a storm. You had to get frozen because you know you're here now and you give people hope. Um, and it's a lovely, it's a lovely little moment between the two of them. And you were the one who brought up hope at the beginning, and you used the word hope with reference to Zuko. So again, there's this right. other parallel happening. Yeah, we're getting parallels of like their very difficult childhood moments that made them who they are. That feel like these burdens that they both carry of their darkest moments but that there's some like embedded hope here yeah and and a, and a right. reason 
to fight on now for both. Oh, it's so good, too, because since you said that at the beginning, I've had that in my mind, which I did not have in my mind when I was watching the episode. But now that you implanted that idea, Jack, when we first started talking about this, now when we get to this part where Katara says you give people hope, like the last person she thinks she's talking about is Zuko, right? It's the last person she has on her mind. But it's like, but the Avatar has given Zuko hope. Just maybe not in the way that she understands it to be, you know, which is really cool. It's a good show, this show. (laughs) I feel like they did a good, they made a good show. Yeah. It's like, this is a really good show. Dang. Dang. (laughs) So we go back to Iroh. Now he's describing this Agni Kai. Zuko is begging his father, you know, in front of this big audience, which are also like, ugh, did there have to be a huge audience? I mean, it's just humiliating from top to bottom. Um, he's begging his father in front of these, this audience, please don't, please don't make me fight you. He apologizes. Uh, Ozai's like, you have to fight for your honor. Ugh, honor. Zuko's like, I won't, father. I'm just not, I'm not going to fight you. And Ozai says, you will learn respect and suffering will be your teacher. And that is so chilling. And Dante, I remember one time we were talking, I think it was probably on the podcast, but if not, it was in life. Um, but you were saying it wasn't lost on you, the whole Luke and Vader moment, right? Paralleling Zuko and Ozai. This, I mean, the side note here is it's the first moment doing this scene that I met Mark Hamill. And he's playing Ozai and going through this whole scene and saying these lines. Please, Father, I only had the Fire Nation's best interest at heart. I'm sorry I spoke out of turn. You will fight for your honor. It's it's totally Vader and Luke. Mark just left the room. I was just, I literally just crumbled into the chair after doing this Agni Kai scene and yelling at each other and saying these lines. And it was, it's literally one of the most surreal moments of my career, like playing the Luke Vader scene with Mark Hamill. And, but I'm Luke and he's Vader. It's crazy. And that, and just what you said, like for so many of us, Mark Hamill is so iconic as Luke Skywalker. It can't be a coincidence because that is such a meta guide mm for us with Zuko. Like, we are being meta-guided to think of Zuko as Luke Skywalker, which is, like, not how we've seen him, you know? And so to see it's this huge, it's dropping this huge hint in there to be like, hey, doesn't this remind you of Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader? Guess who's the good guy in that situation? Skywalker. And you're Mm -hmm. like, oh, no. Oh, is Zuko Skywalker? Wait, 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 wait. That's the whole thing with this episode when you have... When you're mirroring the origin stories of Aang and Zuko through this, interweaving it through this episode is really just blowing your mind. Like, hold on a second, who's yeah, who's who, who's good, who's bad, what's going on, what's right, what's wrong? Like, and that I think this is that's why I think Storm, oh, the Storm, so is one of the favorite episodes for a lot of fans, just because of absolutely the beautifulness of that interweaving. Yeah, a lot of people dock it because it doesn't have enough soccer, but it is a beautiful episode nonetheless. That's why we're changing it. We're changing it with this episode of Braving the Elements. We are correcting that societal wrong by having you here. <laughs> and then afterwards, just to like add to the kind of pain of the moment, like we go back to present day and we see Zuko looking at like pictures of himself, right? With him and his parents and stuff. Right. And they do that slow fade of him like being like this innocent child yeah. into like just slow fade into just the scarred face and he's like by the fire deep shadows you're like this is what happened to the guy he's all messed up and as he's looking at that like 
then the lightning full on just there's lightning strikes the ship, right? Do you think that he drew it to hit to the ship? Like, what's that about? I think it was foreshadowing. I was I thought about that when Iroh, the storm's going crazy, the boat's going up and down, lots is happening. And then Iroh kind of helps protect the ship by redirecting the lightning. Okay. I think that's what's happening. I don't know. I I I I got confused because I, I all of a sudden I was like, wait, did lightning strike the ship because Zuko's emotions, kind of like Katara getting upset and, you know, creating the rapids in the very first episode? Is it like Zuko's pain is almost drawing the fire of the lightning to the ship, which then Iroh has to redirect? I don't know. I think that's a good read because it, it also mirrors the hot, hot cinders from earlier, right? It's these like you just said that like it was a <laughs> like it was a snack for after after you get back from school, it's like hot pockets, like some tasty hot cinders. <laughs> I think I like I like that read a lot. That he's that his his pain, his pain reflecting on this moment draws the the lightning. And then, because uh, later on, foreshadow report, lightning and redirecting lightning is something in foreshadowing. And it could be seen as a metaphor for Iroh, again, always trying to redirect Zuko's pain and always trying Just to take his power and his force and turn it into something that Zuko doesn't want or doesn't think is important. But Iroh's like, you have so much power. Let me just help you be this person instead of that person. Like, he's redirecting his lightning. Is... I'm going to cry. Mm-mm-mm. I mean, it's like we are going deep show. book club style it into did. this it show. <sighs> okay, hold on. One more, one more book club. Did y'all notice who else gets introduced here? Wait. We see in a shot Azula. <gasps> we see That's for the first right. time reacting to and it's the crazy yeah. it's like God. the whole character is present because you shoot yes. you you cut from Zuko's suffering, you cut to Iroh uh in the audience like recoiling in horror, feeling so terrible for what's going on, and sitting next to him is is little Azula, like smiling with like her eyes alight oh. at what's going on. And then she's also in, in a second, we get those like uh, those beautiful still images of his like idyllic childhood before this happens and these memories. Uh, and, and it's him running in a field with his little sister chasing him. Right. There, she's there. They had this like lovely childhood together. And we see already that she's like headed down this twisted path. And they don't even, they don't even, they just knew, they knew where they wanted to go later. And they built that in, in a beautiful visual. I mean, it's awesome. She wasn't even scared when I got scarred. What's wrong with you? So here, here's where they planted her back in episode 12. They already told you more's going on with this messed up family. All right. There is a lot that goes on in this next section where it's like, this is a real like, then you see this, then you see that, then you see this, then you see that. And there's so much to keep track of. I would love for you both to kind of help describe what's happening as we go back and forth between Zuko and Aang's stories. Okay. So we're back at the cave with uh, Katara and Aang, and then the fisherman's wife, the achy one that knew the storm was coming, somehow's in the cave, and she needs help because it's storming a hard outside, and even though they're a bickering couple, she loves the guy, doesn't want him to die, and she's like, I need your help. So happens that their friend Sokka's also on that on that boat. Whenever Sokka's not around, all the other characters should be asking, where's Sokka? <laughs> yeah, Aang <laughs> yeah, right. and Katara are like, we'll go find him, and the fisherman's wife's like, cool, I'm staying here, because... I love right. my husband, but not that I much. In the cave. Not that much. <laughs> they don't have a healthy relationship. Yeah, exactly. And then so on on the ship, uh, everyone's trying to figure out where the lightning that Zuko may be called uh, struck, uh, and and the helmsman is like hanging on on the side of this like ladder, hanging on for dear life. Zuko goes up 
to save him while Iroh redirects lightning through his body, which is, yeah, uh, just incredibly cool looking as we were talking about before. Um, so Zuko saves the helmsman. The crew's life does matter. He does take this extra moment, whereas he's kind of could be fleeing to protect himself. He does stop and and pull up this, right. this uh, crew member. He was just saying that stuff before. It was just, it was just in a moment. It was He didn't really mean it. Now, Aang... And Katara can't find the boat. Appa flies through a giant wave, which is very cool. And then they see the boat. At the same time that Zuko sees the Avatar uh, and the crew on his ship is like, okay, what should we do? And Zuko says, let them go. We need to we need to get this ship to safety. Let's, you know, he chooses, he chooses fully to protect the crew over over going after the Avatar. It's almost like he heard Iroh telling the story about him because we don't know what he was doing that he's now done a total 180. We take that in for a moment and then Iroh says uh, uh, the only way out of this is to go into the eye of the storm. Now, back on the boat, Sokka and the fishermen hang onto the road for dear life. Sokka's like, I'm too young to die. Fisherman's like, Don't not, but I still don't wanna. I love that. I love you said <laughs> That's that. great. Such a great joke. <laughs> it's great. Or not a joke so real. An Appa swoops in and goes to help, but lightning strikes the mast and the boat splits. They use the rope to sort of fling the two guys up into Appa's back, but then a huge wave is coming in and... Yeah, and then you kind of think Appa's swimming down into the giant wave and you realize like, oh, no, 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 he's not swimming at all. He's fully falling and everyone is just kind of sinking into the water. But then we've seen it happen before. There is a trend that seems to happen a lot of the time when certain characters are falling slowly underwater. Aang goes into, you guessed it, the Avatar state, forms a bubble. Got to form that bubble. (laughs) Got to form the bubble. And back at the ship, he knows how to listen. He's had a lot of practice at doing that. That's it's a like a, uh, it's like a just a, re- a reflex or something. It's like kind of like a security yeah. reflex button. It's like yeah. when mm-hmm. surrounded by it's a like lot of airbag. water. <laughs> it's his airbag. Yes, airbag time. His own airbags. Yeah, yeah. you got to go to after our state. Yeah, exactly. And and so and then back of the ship, you know, we see that they've really reached the eye of the storm. It's very dramatic. It's like very quiet and still. Like like people always say is the, what the eye of the storm is like. It's like ooh, the, all around you is this raging storm, but at the eye, it's very still. And that's kind of what's happening underwater too, right? Exactly the right. Bubble, oh, the it's probably oh, like the airbag. This little, <laughs> the airbag within the airbag. Because I was trying to think, what is the mechanics actually of like? Because they're currently drowning. Like they're surrounded by right. water. Yeah. So how? What does he do? He like blows a little. He creates an air, air blows out the air pocket and then it freezes around it or something. I mean, yeah, he has he somehow multiplies the <clears throat> air molecules. Uh, this is very scientific. I, I, I might lose some of you because of my I have such a great command of physics, but he clones the air molecules around them, expands them, uh, pushes away the H2O molecules and yeah. displaces them so that there's a giant pocket of air. Uh, Enough that will like, be they can now Tuesday breathe class. within that bubble, yeah. or they're just sort of like in a suspended. That's state. A I don't question. know if they're breathing. I, guess I feel like they can breathe, but I don't know. Mm, but the other thing is somehow what it, Maybe it, it freezes them because they don't age in the bubble. Whoa, good point. It's like cryo. cryo oh, you just blew my cryo, mind. Cryogenics, cryogenics. <laughs> well, is that, is that the word we have to say that they would show that much age after one minute. <laughs> I mean, not one minute, but in, in the past, in the past, they didn't age. 
But is, does that always prevent you from aging, or is that because that I one under? also froze? What's changed? What's like happened? That... It was one minute. It was one minute. <laughs> I don't have any new wrinkles this whole minute. <laughs> no, but you're right about him being in suspended animation for him and Appa when he's under there for a hundred years. You're absolutely right. But that's also they're literally frozen, yeah. right? They're in an ice yeah. like they're in an actual. So maybe that's on top of whatever's going on in the Avatar yeah. state. Uh, but anyway, so it's a great anti-aging tool, and yes. they just they just got one We're minute creating back a serum in their that's lives. just like a small amount of Avatar state that's that you can right. rub on your eyes. That's right. Uh, and so <laughs> Zuko is apologizing to Iroh. Another beautiful moment for Zuko in this episode. Yeah. Appa rises up in the bubble. They fly away uh, with this really interesting moment of Zuko and Aang like fully. Looking back at each other, you feel like they're making like actual eye contact, uh, guy right. to guy, um, as he's flying away, and they they're flying up and out of the storm, um, and then you know the fisherman and the wife are reunited for better or for worse. Uh, the fisherman offers Aang a fish in gratitude. Ed Sokka is like, okay, so that was very traumatic, uh, but I did do my job. Where's my money? And then he's paid in fish, which maybe isn't exactly what they were hoping for, but at least they can eat the fish. Those, He'll take those it. That eat do. that fish. Yeah. And Aang has kind of come to this this momentous decision where, you know, by through the therapy, presumably, of talking to Katara about this experience he had, sharing the experience of how he became the Avatar and everything that came after that, um, he doesn't, he's not going to dwell in the past anymore, which is wonderful. And Katara, again, who remains always a great therapist, um, says, you know, I predict that this will also mean the end of your nightmares. And the fisherman thanks Aang for saving his life. So he's sort of, you know, begrudgingly admitting, like, yes, you are the Avatar. You are you are helping people here in the present. And that's what matters. Um, the rain has stopped. Uh, but Appa, you know, Appa, he still shakes all the rainwater off his body ah. onto everyone. Oh, Appa. <laughs> oh, Appa. Shaggy and dog. That Shaggy dog. Is the end of the episode. Adorable. Oh, Appa. I don't think we have any... Uh, new animals in terms of Animal Crossing. I don't think we see anybody Not new. a lot of animals in this episode. But, I mean, and then some fish, just some fish, just food. Yeah. So that's that's it for Animal Crossing report. Um, unless, uh, unless, listeners, you have something that I missed, in which case, please let us know on social media. Uh, and now that brings us to discussing what we think might be the most valuable bending and most valuable non-bending moment mm-hmm. of the storm. Mm-hmm. And real quick, Jack, just so you know, rest assured... That Sokka gets a lot of uh, of good non-bending, most valuable non-bending moments. Almost all of them. He's he like is. the most all-time <laughs> most valuable non-bender. Almost Although every having said time. that, I feel like a lot of the time we don't give it to Sokka. We're like overcompensating. We're like, we I can't know. give it to Sokka because he would it's get everyone, Sokka, and then we and don't ever give like, it to him. <laughs> they do that in sports. Like you can't give LeBron James MVP every year. Yeah. Because then it's no fun. Then he retires, and you're like, oh, like, we did it. Just like, we know he's the most valuable player, but let's just give it to someone else because, exactly. you know. Yeah. We may have we may have overcompensated. We're going to have to take well, a hard Well, then I'm going to really that. argue hard for it this episode, okay. even though all he did was <laughs> try to work a little, get caught in a storm, risk everyone's life to save him, and then complain about his payment of a fish, which was pretty nice. Uh, so, yeah, but rest assured, it's him. Great. Well, it would have been him if anyone let him tell his dream story. That's, that's right. That's really the... That's Perhaps right. all of this would uh, avoided. I mean, the most uh, valuable most bending valuable moment bending. is yeah. whenever you go into Avatar State and you go into a bubble, I mean, is there any more 
mo- more valuable bending than that? I don't know. I mean, it's a good question. I mean, you could argue. What about Iro? Iro's diversion yeah. of the of the lightning saves you know more lives. I don't know if it says better lives. Obviously, more important lives get saved by A. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, but Iro comes through pretty clutch there, and I mean, and, uh, and saves this whole ship full of people who we do decide that we care yeah. about and do want them to be safe. I mean, I think I that mean, it, just for just for sheer coolness alone. That redirection of the lightning is pretty great. I think easy, least valuable bending moment is burning your son's face. I think that's a pretty, I think we could say like that one didn't add that much. That's just pure abuse and madness. That's just. Yeah, not great. Iroh knows his brother's a psychopath. I mean, he's a psychotic leader. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm reserving the most valuable non-bending moment for my man, Uncle Iroh. Because the fact that he brought it upon himself to explain the story of Zuko to his his whole crew that's gonna about to, about to have mutiny on the bounty bounty here is yeah. the most valuable non bending because not only does he get to reveal the story of Zuko to his crew so they can work with him and for him in the future, but also to all of us. Very important important non bending going on through through a story around the fire. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Zuko himself gets the okay. non-bending MVP for me. The the moment of deciding to set aside his you know epic quest for honor at a moment where we just learned how much it means to him that to him it it represents like a return to normalcy that it would be the thing that would allow him to go home and have hope again right. and be with his family. But he sets that aside and and my my interpretation of this is he sets it aside because of uh the lightning and sort of like his PTSD about being burned by his father. He sees Mm. the danger that his crew is under. It reminds him of the suffering he's been through. And he has like the, the true honor to like, to say, okay, nothing's more important than this. I need to, I can't be my dad. I need to spare you. I need to save you. I think I, that's pretty You know clutch. what? I love that. And I would say you could easily piggyback on top of that as all part of these this very important non-bending moment that perhaps, even if it's unconscious, perhaps Zuko doesn't want to go home. Like, Maybe he's in within all of this being reminded of his father and what his father did to him, even though cognitively he thinks it's the most important thing for him to go home with the Avatar and regain his honor and get his father's love again. What if his unconscious is like, you ain't ever going to get there. So, and your dad, by the way, is a tremendous jerk who scarred your face. Maybe you don't want to catch the Avatar because maybe you don't want to go back there. Maybe you want to stay out here with Uncle Iroh. <gasps> yeah, it's a lot going on, young Zuko said. That's... So, I mean, regardless, the most most valuable non-bending moment lies within the realm of the Fire Nation in this episode. Yeah, yeah I mean, I'm willing to give to up Katara both moments being... to the Fire Nation. Yeah. Okay. Katara's an excellent I'll, friend we'll in this episode. It. She's great. Stands up for him, then, like, chases after him, helps talk him through a difficult thing, helps him examine his memories, and yeah. lets him release this guilt he's carrying for a thing he had no control over. She's a really fantastic friend. Um, She's scared of them hot, hot embers, though. She's scared of them hot, hot (laughs) cinders. Delicious, tasty hot cinders. (laughs) Yeah. It's a great episode. And yeah, Zuko Zuko comes off looking 
real different and, and way more complicated and a way more sympathetic uh, character. It's a great yeah. episode. Literally, it's a poetic episode. The the, the, the interweaving of the origin stories uh, really illuminated both sides of the story. Really, of the first time you're kind of seeing Aang in a light that's not just like this holier, great guy that's like, I'm the Avatar, everything's great. You're like, oh. He's had some darkness in his past. He feels like he abandoned. Yeah. The dark side of the hero and then like a lighter side of the up to now the villain. And it's really beautiful. This has been so awesome. What a treat and a blast as we knew it would be, Jack DeSena. Thank you so much for going through this Pleasure. episode with us. I mean, what an episode. It was genuinely like it was a it was a really enjoyable one to rewatch and to dive into and be thinking about it. It's really well. A, Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jack. Anything you want people to know or check out? His YouTube or... channel. You got to check out his YouTube channel, you guys. Check out the YouTube yeah. channel. Chris and, Jack, Chris and Jack. We make sketch comedy. So funny. Dante's been in a couple of them. Yep, check they're so out. great. Yeah, come on. And then, of course, you can always follow me at Dante Bosco on Instagram and Twitter or, uh, or at TikTok at Dante. Yeah, I'm at Janet Varney on TikTok, and there are actually some videos on there. And I'm at Janet Varney on Twitter and at the JV Club on Instagram. And we are keeping it going strong. Next week, we are going to be joined by two wonderful guests to talk about some sort of avatar life lessons or big overarching themes that we see, not just in book one, but through the series. They are our esteemed guests and avatar fans, Kara Mahorn and Ijeoma Njaka. We'll see everybody next Tuesday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts.